Letter fifty five of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Mrs. Austin, Luxor, March thirteenth, eighteen sixty five. Dearest Mutter, I hope your mind has not been disturbed by any rumors of battle, murder, and sudden death up in our part of the world. A week ago we heard that a Prussian boat had been attacked, all on board murdered, and the boat burned, then that ten villages were in open revolt, and that Effendina, the viceroy, himself, had come up and taken a broom and swept them clean, i.e. exterminated the inhabitants. The truth now appears to be that a crazy Darwish has made a disturbance, but I will tell it as I heard it. He did as his father likewise did thirty years ago, and made himself Ism, name, by repeating one of the appellations of God, like Yah Latif three thousand times every night for three years, which rendered him invulnerable. He then made friends with the jinn who taught him many more tricks, among others that practised in England by the Davenports of slipping out of any bonds. He then deluded the people of the desert by giving himself out as El Mahdi, he who is to come with the Lord Jesus and to slay Antichrist at the end of the world, and proclaimed a revolt against the Turks. Three villages below Kenna, Gao, Rania, and Beda took part in the disturbance, and Fadel Pasha came up with steamboats, burnt the villages, shot about one hundred men, and devastated the fields. At first we heard one thousand were shot, now it is one hundred. The women and children will be distributed among other villages. The Darwish, some say, is killed, others say that he has gone off into the desert with a body of Bedouin and a few of the Fellaheen from the three ravaged villages. Gao is a large place, as large, I think, as Luxor. The Darwish is a native of Salamia, a village close by here, and yesterday his brother, a very quiet man, and his father's father-in-law, old Haji Sultan, were carried off prisoners to Cairo, or Kenna, we don't know which. It seems that the boat robbed belonged to Greek traders, but no one was hurt, I believe, and no European boat has been molested. Baron Kevenbrink was here yesterday with his wife, and they saw all the sacking of the villages, and said no resistance was offered by the people whom the soldiers shot down as they ran, and they saw the sheep, etc., being driven off by the soldiers. You need be in no alarm about me. The Darwish and his followers could not pounce on us, as we are a good eight miles from the desert, i.e., the mountain, so we must have timely notice, and we have arranged that if they appear in the neighborhood, the women and children of the outlying hut should come into my house, which is a regular fortress, and also any travellers in boats, and we muster a little short of seven hundred able to fight, including Karnak. Moreover, Fadil Pasha and the troops are at Kenna, only forty miles off. Three English boats went down river to-day, and one came up. The Kevin Brinks went up last night. I dined with them. She is very lively and pleasant. I nearly died of laughing to-day when little Achmet came for his lesson. He pronounced that he was sick of love for her. He played at cards with her yesterday afternoon, and it seems lost his heart. He is twelve, and quite a boyish boy, though a very clever one, and he said he was wishing to play a game for a kiss at the stake. He had put on a turban to-day, on the strength of his passion, to look like a man, and had neglected his dress otherwise, because when young men are sick of love they always do. The fact is the baroness was kind and amiable, and tried to amuse him as she would have done to a white boy. Hence Achmet's susceptible heart was on fire for her. He also asked me if I had any medicine to make him white. 
I suppose to look lovely in her eyes. He little knows how very pretty he is with his brown face, as he sits cross-legged on the carpet at my feet in his white turban and blue shirt, reading aloud. He was quite a picture. I have grown very fond of the little fellow. He is so eager to learn and to improve, and so remarkably clever. My little Ahmed, who is donkey-boy and general little slave, the smallest, slenderest, quietest little creature, has implored me to take him with me to England. I wish Rainy could see him. She would be so apprised at his dark brown little face, so fain, and with eyes like a dormouse. He is a true little Arab, can run all day in the heat, sleeps on the stones, and eats anything, quick, gentle, and noiseless, and fiercely jealous. If I speak to any other boy, he rushes at him and drives him away, and while Black Kair was in the house, he suffered martyrdom, and the kitchen was a scene of incessant wrangle about the coffee. Kair would bring me my coffee, and Achmet resented the usurpation of his functions, of course quite hopelessly, as Kair was a great stout black of eighteen, and poor little Achmet not bigger than Rainy. I am really tempted to adopt the vigilant, active little creature. March 15th. Sheikh Yusuf returned from a visit to Salima last night. He tells me the Darwish, Achmet el-Tayib, is not dead. He believes that he is a mad fanatic and a communist. He wants to divide all properly equally, and to kill all the ulema, and destroy all theological teachings by learned men, and to preach a sort of revelation or interpretation of the Koran of his own. He would break up your pretty clock, said Yusuf, and give every man a broken wheel out of it, and so with all things. One of the dragomans here had been urging me to go down, but Yusuf laughed at any idea of danger. He says the people here have fought the Bedouin before, and will not be attacked by such a handful as are out in the mountain now. Du reste, the Abu el-Hajaji, family of Abu el-Hajaj, will put their seal to it that I am their sister, and answer for me with a man's life. It would be foolish to go down into whatever disturbance there may be alone in a small country boat, and where I am not known. The Pasha himself, we hear, is at Girga with steamboats and soldiers, and if the slightest fear should arise, steamers will be sent up to fetch all the Europeans. What I grieve over is the poor villagers, whose little property is all confiscated, guilty and innocent alike, and many shot as they ran away. Haji Ali tells me privately that he believes the discontent against the government is very deep and universal, and that there will be an outbreak, but not yet. The Pasha's attempt to regulate the price of food by edicts has been very disastrous, and, of course, the present famine prices are laid to his charge. If a man will be omnipotent, he must take the consequences when he fails. I don't believe in an outbreak. I think the people are too thoroughly accustomed to suffer and to obey. Besides, they have no means of communication, and the steamboats can run up and down and destroy them in detail in a country which is eight hundred miles long— by from one to eight wide, and thinly peopled. Only Cairo could do anything, and everything is done to please the Kyrenes at the expense of the Fellaheen. The great heat has begun these last three days. My cough is better, and I am grown fatter again. The Nile is so low now, that I fancy that six weeks or two months hence I shall have to go down in two little boats. Even now the Dahabias keep sticking fast continually." I have promised some neighbors to bring back a little seed-corn for them, some of the best English wheat without beard. All the wheat here is bearded, and they have an ambition for some of ours. I long to bring them wheelbarrows and spades and pickaxes. 
The great folks get steam plows, but the laborers work with their bare hands and a rush basket, pour tout potage, and it takes six to do the work of one who has got good tools. End of letter fifty five. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.